Welcome to the Forging Honor Podcast. I'm Jonathan George. And I'm Benjamin Jones. Here at The Forge, we explore what it means to live as Christian men. Along the way, we'll be doing weekly challenges to build character through action. We are by no means experts, just two young Christian men trying to make sense of a wild world. That's right. We're doing our best to learn and hope you'll join us on the journey. And if you want to get directly involved, go to forginghonor.com to find information on how to join our community. This is episode 17. Cut the crap. Inflection added by Banjo. Come on, uh, you, you can't just say it. You gotta, you gotta fair. add something to it. No, it's episode seventeen. <laughs> Cut the crap. No, I, I, I don't know how. You, I don't know how you say that without it. Anyway, that was all Banjo's idea for the title. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, mom and dad. Um, at any rate, uh, challenge wrap up. As a reminder, challenges last for ten days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. They are simple daily tasks to grow us as men. Uh, this previous challenge, very simple. Just get rid of one item each day. I think I had nine out of the 10 days. Uh, I'm sorry, folks in the Discord. I was offline for some of those days. Did not mark them, um, but I did do them. And Banjo, yourself? Uh, I think I was right behind you. I think I had seven or eight. I was marking them in the Discord, but I, I'm, I'm not looking at it right now, so I'm, I'm missing it. But I think it was seven All good. or eight. Yeah, that, that begs the question. Uh, if if you do a forging otter challenge and you don't mark it in the Discord, did you actually did do you it? actually do it? Yeah. Does the tree that falls in the woods Does actually participate in the forging otter podcast? Well, if the point is to grow as men, you don't have to be in the Discord to grow as a man. So it's, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. At any rate, um, yeah, get rid of one item each day. We took this. This was a listener suggestion after listening to our episode a while back on uh, Marie Kondo's uh, book about tidying up, getting rid of things and tidying up. Uh, so this was a piece of that, just putting it into action. I, I personally like this challenge a lot. Um, I, I enjoyed Banjo, I think, looking around and realizing, wow, yeah, I have accumulated a lot of stuff since the last time I really did this. <laughs> um, so what, what was something you liked? Was there anything easy or difficult about it? Uh, I, this one was tough for me. I have realized in the last few months like a, a mild hoarding tendency that I have. Um, and so this one was a little bit, uh, this was a little bit hitting me where I lived um, because I was just kind of looking through things and, and realizing that I don't like to get rid of them. I think I mentioned this maybe in the episode that we did with Elias and the Marie Kondo stuff, but there's a lot of things that I own or that I still hold on to because they're they're uh, they're so filled with nostalgia. Like as soon as the I sentimental pick it, value, yeah, tons of sentimental value. And as soon as I pick it up, I'm like, I can't. Well, I can't throw this away. This is the receipt that I got on my first date with you know, you know right. from the ticket from the movie theater. That kind of a thing. You know, exactly. I remember that conversation, and I remember thinking at the time it would be interesting when we got to this challenge to talk about and kind of what it, what does that mean. Uh, our sentimentality, our nostalgia. For me, the issue is, what if I need that thing and then I have to go buy it yeah. again because I just got rid of it? Yeah. Um, so, so I got rid of a couple of books, and um, for me, some bigger ones were some running shoes that I haven't. Oh, you know, running yeah. shoes. You put mm -hmm. you put however many miles on them. They're still fine shoes, but it's not good for running. So yeah. I have all these running shoes that are good shoes. They'd be fine for walking around or doing yard work or whatever. Um, tons of them. I probably have three pairs, or I had three pairs that were just sitting there that I never used. Yeah. Um, and my thinking is, well, if I get rid of those tennis shoes, and then I need to mow the lawn, or I need I to do wear? some work, like what am I going to wear? Well, I have three. I can get rid of two pairs of them and just keep one as a pair of work shoes, right? Yeah. But my my mind is thinking I need to have the backups, right? I have the backups. I don't want to spend money. Yeah. So what is it about? I guess those are kind of two separate issues. But what is it about the sentimentality, the nostalgia, and then also the thinking that thinking ahead tendency that that turns into hoarding um i don't count what what is the trap there like is there is there a sin trap i'm asking and what how can that be holding us back as men yeah well i so i just finished listening to mere christianity um on audiobook uh which was a really phenomenal re-listen reread um it's just yeah c.s lewis is good 
That's was it a good reader? Word. Very good. Very good. I don't I can't make it through an audiobook if it's if it's not. So I would I'm, I was I'm the same way. Um but one of the things that he talked about, he said one of the chief vices, um, at least from the Christian perspective, is is pride. And that's kind of the overarching sin and is kind of involved in every other sin. Um, and I was thinking about that with, you know, just as an example, you know, if you read John Milton's Paradise Lost, then Satan's Satan's sin is his pride. That's that's ultimately the thing that um, makes him a fallen angel. Is he thinks that he's equal to or greater than God. Um, not to say that we are making that claim when we are holding on to possessions, we shouldn't. But it does strike me as like, well, I, I think maybe when I when I hold on to a possession that I really don't need that I'm holding on to for sentimental reasons, I'm probably thinking I, I need to hold on to this thing because if I don't, then I'll forget that thing. And then I will lose control of that thing. Uh, or I'll lose control of that memory or I'll lose control of, of, of a part of my self as your, your identity or something. Exactly. Is that, you're saying that's pride? Well, this is just a theory off the top of okay. the head, because because uh, the reason I'm thinking that is look at the look at the reverse of it. So take that thought and then flip it. It's me saying I must control this thing, and if I do not control this thing, then then I, what am I? Right? Right, uh, right? It will all fall apart, and that's that's pride. That's arrogance. Um, conversely, or or maybe not conversely, but. Um, you know, at least when I hold on to a pair of things for like, oh, well, maybe I'll need this one day. And it's like, well, you know, I'm I'm in some sense doubting that God will provide or has already provided the tool that I need, you know. Right. And again, it's a it's a control thing. It's like, well, I need to be in control of the situation. So I'm going to hold on to this book about this presidential counselor that I, is 600 pages long and I definitely need to have just in right, case I, right. I don't know, get involved in a trivia yes. night. I don't know. I might need it. I know what you mean. Yeah. There, there were, I had a book. It's this whole, um, uh, history or it's, it's like a, not, not history book, like encyclopedia of biblical knowledge. And it has all these things in there, different words and what they mean, et cetera. Um, a lot of it, as far as the actual, um, like it, it's pretty old. It's probably fifties or sixties. So it's it's dated in terms of its presentation at this point. And yeah. there's information in there that's dated as well, especially some of the archaeology stuff. Um, and I was I was thinking, why do I want to keep this thing? Like it's I, yeah. I have no reason. I've never even opened it to enjoy it myself. Yeah, I've just always had it. Yeah. Um. But like in my mind, it was, well, someday I might want to reference this thing. Like if I want to know what this word is, well, I had, I'll probably just end up looking it up on the internet. Like I don't need this book yeah. for any reason. Um, or if I really, if I was really interested in this, in that topic, I would probably already have three better volumes than this particular encyclopedia of biblical knowledge. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I see what you're saying about the pride and maybe, maybe it's the pride there for me is I definitely take pride in I have my my things readily available at hand mm -hmm. when I need them um although I guess I can see how the root would be pride I I guess I would want to steer away from like if everything is pride it, it'd be, it's too easy for us just to say well it's all pride that's the only sin problem and yes it's the root of many things as Lewis says I don't disagree with that but I would say I think you're what you're saying about control is closer to is closer to the point Sure. Um, just thinking through in my own life, I will have backups of several different tools, right? I've got the toolbox in my truck, and then I've got the toolbox in my house. Right. They're the same tools, the same toolbox. But I have the backups. And, I, and, and in a case like that, that makes some sense to me. I don't have to constantly be moving one toolbox from the house to the truck every time I drive off the truck. But and you might need one in the truck, like in an exactly. emergency. Exactly. And, and that's a case where there's actual purpose there but that happens in all of my life yeah with lots of the things i have um i'll buy multiples of whatever hygiene product because oh i just need backups i just need multiples. yeah and that 
that just adds clutter to my life. Same mm-hmm. with the shoes. You know, I've, I've had multiples of those shoes for a long time because, well, what if I need a backup? What if one gets torn up? Well, I could go buy another pair, I guess. I don't, I, I guess I don't know what the real issue there is. Control makes sense in the sense that I'm trying to control the future a little bit. I almost think though that in some ways it's more of a reliance on worldly things. Yeah. Um, and maybe it is for the purpose of control. But one thing I've been thinking about is um, the realization that Christ calls us away from the things of the world. Mm-hmm. Not that mm-hmm. not that those things are bad. He created them, right? He did. And, and he himself was a carpenter. And he n- nowhere does he say, well, you got to stop being a carpenter. You got to stop being a fisherman, disciples. You got to stop being a tent maker, Paul. But he does say to put away the things of the world. So I think that's, that's maybe what I'm trying to figure out here is what does that actually mean? Okay. Well, if, if, if we're going down that train of thought, then I'm going to, I'm going to push on a little bit and, and see, see, see what parts of the bridge come, come falling down. Um, and what Christ is saying there, I wouldn't say that, you know, or, or when we think about, when Christ calls us away from the things of this world, he, I wouldn't say that he's calling us away from the, 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 um, like forethought and thinking through. Well, yeah, that, or like, but like physically, he's not, he's not calling us away from our material existence. Right. But he is calling us away from our, our preoccupation with, with, the the parts of our day to day life that are not heavenly minded. Again, you know, going back to mere Christianity, um, Lewis talks about. He says, you know, there's this there's this feeling in the church that if we're so obsessed with heaven, then we'll never do any good on earth, and so we must focus entirely on earthly things in order to do some good while we're on earth. But he says that misses the point because anyone who tries to save the earth will lose earth. And what uh, anyone who, you know, aims for heaven will get earth thrown into. Um, in other words, interesting. In other it's, like words, what, it's like the Beatitudes. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the whole promise there is those that follow Christ are the ones that inherit the earth. Those that, those that stick with the true Christian virtues. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in one sense, it would be, I, this is, this is to, to, to stretch an analogy maybe, but I think I get maybe frustrated with uh, or confused by Christians who, whose main focus is, well, we need to win the presidency because that's the only way that we can do good on this earth. Like, like as until Christians win back the white house, uh, the American church will not be safe. Like we won't be doing any real good in America unless the president is a Christian. And I, I short term view. Yeah. I think that misses the point because, you know, regardless of who the president is, God is in control. Uh, he's, he's foreordained whatsoever comes to pass to quote the catechism. Um, and moreover, politics is not the point of our existence, you know, um, any more than fixing, you know, fixing the spare tire on the, you know, broken down on the side of the highway is the point of the existence. right? Right. Um, but because we live in a world that has other human beings of large, large groups, we have politics and, and we need politics. Um, right. You're we, not saying it's a bad thing. Like it's, it's just, it's part of life. Right. It's part of life. Like but we shouldn't the spare make, tire meeting changed. Right. Also but we shouldn't, life. We shouldn't make the means the ends. You know what I mean? We shouldn't, we shouldn't right. say, well, once we have achieved this, then everything is going to get fixed. It, it, so to, to turn it back around, um, in other words, when, when we have a material thing and, and, or a thing, a thing that exists in the world, that can be anything, you know, that can be cooking, you know, that can be um, hiking, it can be writing, it can be any of these things 
um, even the study of Christian doctrine. If if we study Christian doctrine for the sake of studying Christian doctrine and not to know our Lord and Savior better, then we've missed the point. You know, um, we, we're not doing ourselves any favors. If we study the art of preaching and we get thousands of people in the seats, um, but we never believe a word of what we say, it, it doesn't make any difference. Um, right. And I, I think the same thing goes for our, our for our possessions you know i i have a shelf of books that is um or you could rearrange my bookshelf and you would get one shelf that is entirely books that i haven't read yet and i refuse to get rid of any of those books because i'm going to read them one day someday 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 i have a lot of books like that too yeah uh and i have just i have like this allergy to throwing away books I haven't read, not throwing away. Well, I have an absolute allergy to throwing away a book. I just can't do it. I cannot put a book in the trash can. Maybe not the trash can, maybe in the Goodwill basket. Yeah. Goodwill. A donation is fine, but there's something, there's something, I don't know. When you throw a book away, it feels like you're killing a person. I don't know. That's just me. You're killing um, a portion of their thoughts anyway. Yeah. So now, anyway, are those thoughts worth having? Uh, that's debatable. Maybe, some maybe not, <laughs> but you know, some other shelf can bear that guilt. Um, so anyway, I think I think it's a form of gluttony, and I think it's a form of intemperance. Yes, you know, just this feeling of well, I can have it, so I must have it, and not right. considering should we have it. Well, one thing on that note, I was thinking about as I'm getting rid of things in my house. You know, I have small collections of various items. Books are one of them. Um, I've got this little coin collection I've had for a long time. Lately, it's been whiskeys. And as I built out these little collections, you know, it, it occurred to me when I was getting rid of things that I wasn't even considering the things that are like in a collection because I right. took time to collect that thing. But then it hit me like, why do we collect these things? Like, what's the point mm-hmm. here? Because I could collect this. And if I'm, if I'm collecting in, in a short-term sense of to enjoy that thing, um, like in the case of a consumable like whiskey, well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense why I might want a couple different varieties. But it occurred to me, you know, some folks will collect, they'll have collections of hundreds of bottles that they leave unopened. It's purely for the having of it. Right. And it occurred to me, that's something I want in my life. But why? Hmm. Why do I want the massive library filled with leather-bound books, even though I'm probably never going to crack them open? Because it'd be too many books for me to read in my lifetime. Okay, wait. Right? Time what? out. Is that is that something that you actually want, or is it just something that you like think you want? That's a good question. Um, it's something I, I'll put it this way: if money was not an object, it's something I would definitely be working on. Okay, so, so it's not something it's not something I'm dedicating time and money to right now, but it's something where if I could build my future home, I would have a massive library filled with awesome books and a great area for some a cool whiskey display like it'd just be awesome right it, it, you think it'd look cool right yeah but like yeah. what is that I, so that's what i'm wondering is why do i think i want that okay and me, and is there value in that because yeah maybe i should have gotten rid of some of the pieces of these collections that don't really matter yeah like because i've got some whiskeys that are pretty subpar why do i even have them around i should just get rid of them they're not it's not worth taking my time to drink those whiskeys yeah well, here we get into some interesting fields of, of personality study. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> be careful there. Yeah. But I mean, for me, I mean, uh, if if we dare to say on the air, uh, I'm an Enneagram 3. I believe you're also an Enneagram 3. I you... honestly don't know. Maybe. I don't know. if you ever, I, Have you ever taken a test? I took some online thing. Uh, at some point because someone put it in front of me, but I honestly don't remember what it came out with. Can we do a little digression here on your, your feelings or or just personal feelings on personality tests? Do you do personality tests? Do you, or do you, I I have taken personality tests. Um, I don't take stock in them. Okay. That's what I, that's about what I figured. Uh, It's well, I understand, uh, the value in terms of like, they they can describe behaviors, mm-hmm. 
But that's, I think, it seems to me that that's all personality tests are doing. They yeah. describe your behaviors at that point in time. So in high school, Myers-Briggs was all the rage. Right. Everybody was doing Myers-Briggs. So I took Myers-Briggs sometime in high school. I took it again in college, just wondering, like, what was what was this about? I got a different personality type in college. Do you remember what it school. was? Ah. Uh, I, I don't start. I know it was both both times it had the E for the extroversion, but I can't remember what yep. the other. I'm definitely extroverted. The other letters, like I changed on. What was it? I, 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 it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go I'm into an, all that. I'm an INFP. If that starts any buttons of yours, um, I was ENFP in high school. That did that did make that click. I, w- and I was that in high school. E, ENTJ in college okay so i had some flips and that's when i realized this is only describing behaviors because i had changed a lot about myself from high school to college Mm -hmm. i was still jonathan yeah i i am jonathan regardless of what my behaviors are now i might be a more sinful jonathan i might be a less sinful jonathan i might be a jonathan with fewer items to my name or a jonathan with more to my name you know things about me change but yeah, and I mean the thing about a personality test. I think you're right, and a, a <laughs> to to quote the great Horton Hears a Who uh, by the <laughs> philosopher Dr. Seuss, um, a person's a person no matter how small, right. you know. And um, all a personality test does, or, or in my opinion, the thing I enjoy about personality tests is you. I think you get to you you get a shorthand of people's behaviors which helps you to get to know them a little bit right but it's it's not a way of saying to my mind it's not a way of saying like well you are this person one day and then there's this person over here but it's it's these are these are the descriptors and and, you know these are Mm -hmm. possibilities for change and just a way to help like label and process some of that information i'm going to tie it back to what we started with right right we're getting there by saying that our possessions are really not much that different. Well, it, or, it, or our desires are not that much different. Like your desire, if we want to get Freudian about it, which I'm sure we oh, do. No. But if we want to get Freudian about it, then we could say say something like, you know, we, we could pick apart what what parts of the, you know, the dream for that we both pretty much mutually share of a library room with with books and a whiskey and cigar lounge. Oh, you know, where does that, that come so amazing. from? Um, and I don't I don't particularly mind if they're leather bound or not. I just want to be able to read them. That's my Fair main enough. thing. And a writing desk. I want a writing desk. Oh, a writing desk would be awesome. I do. So, so here, here here's the thing though is like we both. You're right. We both have this mutual desire for these particular things. This stuff right? This worldly stuff that we, like, why do we desire them? So let's start Is it because we think we'll finally be a man or is it because we we are men that we desire these things? I don't know. Like, so my wife, my wife makes fun of me all the time for this thing because every time I get a whiskey, she's like, you are just, you just do it because that's what men are supposed to do. Like you're not, in fact, let me, that's funny. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to play this card. I went to see Barbie a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh oh, no! And <laughs> I quite liked it. It was fun. I had Are a you good a time. Barbie girl in a I, in a Barbie world? I'm just Ken, um, okay. and I don't know if anybody's seen it. If if you hate it, I just ask that you don't hate me for liking it. Um, I also saw Oppenheimer, so I've got both sides of the spectrum covered. There anyway, are two wolves inside of you. Yes, a I'm Barbie <laughs> and Oppenheimer. Um, but one of the things about the movie, um, was there's this, there's this whole bit about, um, the, the Kens do these things and the Barbies do these things and the Kens are essentially stand-ins for men and the Barbies are essentially stand-ins for women. And there were a couple of things, there were a couple of jokes that were so spot on in what men and women like want or like things that they say that like apparently all men and women think and say that it was just so bizarrely funny that we all fit into these categories a little bit. For example, um, there was, and sorry, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I'm sure that the members of Forging Honor are not exactly like spoiler upset about Barbie. So I feel safe. Anyway, 
Well, either they've already seen it if they really want to see it, or like me, they'll see it when it comes out on DVD or Netflix or wherever it's going to be. Right. So there was a bit where um, one of the uh, one of the there's a, a depression Barbie comes out. They come up with a depression Barbie, and the joke was the depression Barbie comes uh, includes the five hour BBC edition and a family pack size of uh, uh, starbursts. Um. I'm confused by that, honestly. <laughs> well, it's like the Barbie's depressed, and when the Barbie's depressed, it watches the five-hour BBC oh, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, 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 oh. And, and eats the strawberry. Yeah, it's the Starburst. Okay, okay. That's um, funny. And then, and then there was another scene. It was the most called out I've ever felt in a movie where, where uh, one of the characters, they're trying, they're trying to get the, the Kens distracted, so they uh, – they get the Kens to mansplain, and when they're mansplaining, they get distracted. And so one of the Barbies walks up to a Ken and is like, uh, are you watching The Godfather? I've never seen it. And then the, the Ken goes, oh, it's a beautiful fusion of Francis Ford Coppola's aesthetic with his philosophy and the, and the studio. Just goes on the whole rant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as I was in the theater, my wife turned to me and gave me this look, and I was like, ah. Uh, that is the most guilty I've ever felt in the movie, you know? And so, but it was like the whole theater was laughing at it and they're not laughing at me. They're laughing at me and a billion other men who do the exact same thing, you know? And so where was I? Oh, so the, the thing is like, is, do we do it because we get told that this is who men are or do we just, is it just the thing where there's 7 billion of us on the planet, 8 billion of us now, and there's just going to be some repeat material. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I know that I know that there's something kind of bringing back to the conversation about stuff. We got to circle back all the way around eventually somehow. Um, there is definitely back. something as men where we put certain value in some of the items we own. I think that some of that probably comes from those around us telling us these are the things men are interested in. And then because we are men who I think it's it's within man's nature to want to compete, right? We, we happen to like sports for some reason. Men are generally, yeah. not that women are not, but men definitely are. Right? That's just one of the things because um, men like to compete. And then we're told that this set of sports are the ones you're supposed to like, mm-hmm. right? So people are going to hate me. People tell me I'm supposed to like football. I'm not a huge fan of football. But I do actually enjoy seeing live games of any sport. Like, you, it's just not yeah. impossible not to get into, right? Yeah. Um, maybe it's just something about TV presentation I don't like when it comes to something like football. But every time I've ever been to a live game of any sport, I've gotten very excited about it. Yeah, it's there's thrill so, of the crowd. There's something about that. And I think, so I think it's kind of both and, right? Right. We're told these are the things you're supposed to enjoy. Turns out, partially because a lot of those things you just naturally enjoy. Well, there's another movie I watched recently that was about kind of about the disillusionment of like coming out of college. It's really funny. Um, and uh, but there was this line where they, these guys are kind of realizing that they're losers and that they like they, they, they had succeeded at college. But now they kind of have left that and now they are just kind of washed up. And um one of the guys says, well, our habits, our affectations have become habits. Um, and I think mm. it was a pretty brilliant line because there's these things, there's one character in the movie who starts smoking cigarettes because the girl he likes starts smoking cigarettes. Um, and then at the end of the movie, he's like smoking a pack a day and it's like, well, I, I'm a smoker, you know, but the only That's, reason yeah. that he started doing it was to impress this girl. I think that happens a lot where it's like, oh, I, yeah, I saw this movie where you know, uh, James this thing. Yeah. There was whiskey and they were drinking cigars. Like, Oh, that looks cool. And then I liked it, but I don't know. I, sometimes I find that hard to believe because I don't know about you, but there are things that are, that are, everybody's like, Oh, it's an acquired taste that I'm like, but I bet I just picked it up and I loved it. Like, yeah, right. Sure. Like beer and cigars. It was like, I, I don't know. This is cool. I like it. It's, it's enjoyable. And I think what I'm getting at is at what point does that enjoyment of that item start to become your identity in a certain way, right? I think that's part of what I'm getting at with the example of the library 
filled with books and a nice little whiskey area and a cigar lounge, right? Like that's how much of that becomes, well, when I have this, then I'll be a man. Right. And, and I won't be a man until I have that. Or that's what real men have. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you look, you see this, if you watch a lot of modern um, like newscasters, you watch any of the Daily Wire folks, like if they're popping up on your feed, they right. all have that either wooden or Same library aesthetic. background. They're sitting in a leather chair. They're holding a beer or a cigar. Like they've got that whole vibe going. And it's something that's just popping up. Like every, or you watch Joe Rogan, same thing. Every commentator, mm -hmm. every podcast, everybody has that. Um, and I'm not saying that it's wrong. I like those things a lot. And I can see why someone who's trying to attract a certain audience might want to have those things as part of their aesthetic. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, is I think it's possible to enjoy those things without necessarily, one, putting your identity in them, because we should be putting our identity in Christ. But mm -hmm. two, um, being okay with not being the guy that has the collection. Yeah. Maybe I can really enjoy whiskey. I don't have to have the largest collection of whiskey. I can have the bottle I really enjoy in my house. I can share it with whoever comes over. But if I want to try different whiskeys, I'll go out. There are there are bars for that. There are cool lounges for that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have the collection. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the same thing with books. Libraries exist for a reason. As much as I, I actually don't like libraries very much because once I've read a book, I want to keep going back to it. So having a library, the point being... You don't have to own every single book you've ever read. Yeah. And you don't have to, I, I guess, I guess there's, now this is, I'm kind of, as I'm thinking about these things, part of it, I think is also men want to be self-reliant, right? So that's why I want to yeah. own every tool I use. I so rarely borrow tools because as soon as I borrow the tool, now I'm relying on someone else for that tool. Yeah. Versus and there's I no, own the tool. There's no like less manly feeling than like going over to somebody's house and being like, can can I borrow the leaf blower? And they're like, you don't have you don't have your, your awesome blower? set of tools that you can. Yeah, what kind no, of exactly man what you mean. doesn't have a leaf blower? <laughs> your your man, that's Banjo's man voice. It's a it's an affectation of the Ford F one fifty. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. In twenty years, you just you're like, how are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> that's that's what ends up happening. Um. But I think there's a sense of, I want to be self-reliant. So, but at the same time, the things that I, I theoretically am, am relying on are all the, the man things. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, I, as I was thinking through this challenge, I was realizing, wait a minute, I don't have to rely on having the backup pair of running shoes. I don't have to rely on having that extra book that I'm never even going to read. Yeah. Um, I don't need to keep these. I mean, I have a ton of being in the software world. I have a ton of random electronics things. I got rid of several of those because it was like, I, I'm never going to use these. They're outdated. It, there's no point. I've told myself for ages, I'm going to strip them for parts. I'm not doing that anytime soon. Yeah. And, and so there's the sense of the self-reliance. There's also the sense of everything I was getting rid of. I, I was realizing I'm partially keeping because it's part of my identity because I think when, when someone comes over and they see this thing that I have this thing, Oh, they're gonna think Jonathan's cool. Oh yeah, I need to get yeah, rid of yeah, some yeah. of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this: This is a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a gear shift, but you and I both grew up. We're both born in ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety eight. Uh, I was two 2000s baby. Um, do you remember much of the like the two thousand eight recession at all? Is that part? Not of really. Um, make up. I all? guess I would have been. I remember it being talked about at the time my family was uh, living on the road. My dad was a musician. So we already had, uh, you know, they say the joke, what's the difference between uh, um, a musician and a pizza? A pizza what's can that? feed a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so that's, so before 08, <laughs> my family was already uh, living how much with musicians wages, which aren't high. Um, so I don't remember it affecting us personally a lot. But you, you, you were already in kind of a situation that was kind of a shoestring budget. Yes. And, and I know people around us really suffered and it was talked about everywhere because we traveled a lot. Yeah. And it was always being talked about. Um, at any rate, there's what, what was the, well, I was wondering, I think about this a lot sometimes 
because uh, were you you were an oldest? Yes, I was an oldest too, and I remember in two thousand eight hearing uh, I was like I was seven or eight, but I was like, there's this recession thing going around, and all I could think about was like the Great Depression. Like I was making that right. jump, like this is like the same thing. And I was already thinking like I am going to have to – one of my favorite books when I was a kid was Bud, Not Buddy. Yeah, I, I know. It's a great book. That. But it's a book – if anyone's not read it, it's essentially about this boy who gets separated from his father in the Depression. And he has to go across, basically across the country to find his dad. Um, and it's a great book about the Depression and like living back then. Um, and just – yeah, it's a great book. Anyway, I read that book. And then the the 2008 thing happened, and I was like, I am going to have to like work at the age of nine to like help put this food is on it, the table child for labor. Family. Here we go, or it's time. Um, yeah. But I and and my dad was a pastor, and he uh, the, the congregation that he was pastoring at just got too small by I think like 2011, um, 2012, and we had to move. And I just I remember having this feeling of. Um, I knew we weren't like poor, poor, but we were definitely weren't like doing great. Um, and so I, I think I still have some of that left in me a little bit of like, like I don't throw food away like ever yeah, unless it has like mold on it. Like even if I'm not going to eat it, like even if I don't like it, I'm like, well, I got to save it. I can't throw it away. Um, and my wife will like throw food away. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you talking about? That was perfectly good. Um, and I wonder how much of that. And she's like, what are you, you're not going to eat it. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't throw it away. But I, and I think that is me being fearful and me being, yeah, not maybe, I don't know, a, a little, I don't know what the word for it is. I didn't grow out of it. Right. And, and I think there's definitely, I definitely experienced some of that. And I think some of that's just being in a large family. Yeah. Being in a large family, everything becomes like, you have to be thinking ahead so much more, right? Leftovers become a very big part of your diet. Right. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's something that on the one hand can be good because forethought, I mean, Proverbs talks about this. The wise man lays aside wealth for future generations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's It's not... That, but that's not the same as um, I'm going to have extras of everything just in case something terrible happens, right? Right. Maybe Yes, you have your emergency fund, you have your backup tools or whatever is actually necessary for the daily operation of life. Um, so one thing, every, in my opinion, everybody should have in their house are some canned food, some extra water because, I mean, the grid can go out sometimes and you don't know yeah, what you're yeah. going to need. But and those are essentials. What you don't need is the full extra television in case your first one breaks. You know, there's just things like that. Generator and the, yeah. So, uh, I mean, generators can be handy for a variety of reasons, Banjo. Uh, I actually lived in a house where that was our main source of power for a while. That's impressive. Um, Anyway, the, uh, the back, back to the point, when it comes to our stuff, I, I guess the balance I'm trying to figure out is, what are what are the things in our life that we can get rid of because they're they've just accumulated as either we we identify with them in some way we have nostalgia or they're they're something we think we might maybe need someday or they're the things for wisdom's sake we've set aside for the rainy for the hard times mm-hmm. or for the future generations what is that balance that I think, I think it, that's the question we're dancing around here yeah and I think it's temperance right like like explain that. So, uh, temperance is an old fashioned word that we don't use a whole lot anymore. And part of the reason it fell out of fashion is because it became associated with the temperance movement, um, which, if, if you're familiar like with anti-alcohol. that, anti alcohol, anti alcohol, teetotaler, and prohibition, all that jazz. Um, well, not jazz, they weren't fans of that, but we are because so, it involved drinking. That's right. Um, yeah, but really, temperance isn't isn't about totally abstaining from something. It's about doing it in moderation. Um, that's one of my dad's favorite phrases. Uh, he's like, "It's all you know, everything, everything in moderation. Everything's good, and everything in moderation." Um, and it strikes me that something even like knowledge or wisdom needs to be done in 
temperance. Well, that's Ecclesiastes says that. Right. Um, like right at the very end. And this, every time I read it, I go, do I have too many books? Because it's saying, you know, the, in, in the compilation of many works and of much wisdom, yeah, you can, you can get distracted. There's fault. I was like, wait, right. is, so do I, do I endeavor in some of this stuff too much? Should I just be living my life and working hard at what I need to work hard at? Well, there's, there's a, a simplicity that's totally foreign to our lives. You know, our, the title of this episode is, you know, it's a little facetious, but maybe it's more on the nose than it, you know, maybe it's more dead on than it, than we thought. Uh, like there is no part of modern life that gives any thought to moderation. You know, the entire- Especially in America, where go big or go home. Yeah, and it's that the solution to the problem is buy something new. You know, mm. I I was reading something, or I, was, I can't remember if I was reading or watching something that was describing, it's the question, yeah, it was a video. The question of the video was, is capitalism a new religion? Um. And that was really interesting because sounds like a vice uh, piece there, Banjo. Yeah. Might want to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the but the idea was, you know, what is a religion but a a system of thought that you know uh, offers rituals that give comfort um, of a higher existence to people, um, and uh, maybe promises salvation. That that could be part of it. Right, but that's part of what a. Uh, of what a capitalist system does, you know, according to the video, Let, let's play with it a little bit to say, you know, essentially in a capitalist system, what is it that you do when you feel bad? You go to a store, which is like a place of worship. It's like a large edifice that is designed to give a certain feeling. And you go through a ritual, which is the process of selecting an item and purchasing, it, you know, and as far as we could say the market is concerned, whether or not you use that item is of no concern to anybody. The only thing that's of concern is if you go in and buy the product, you know, perform the ritual. Um, and if this sounds a little bit pie in the sky. I, I would, I understand the point. I would say that that's the point of American very late stage capitalism in some ways, because I, I would want to push back on what you're defining capitalism as. Sure. Um, but for the purposes of what you're talking about, I will accept it with the giant clarification that what you're talking about is not actually capitalism. It's okay. not. It's not. It's not a free market. Right. It's not. It's not true. We, you could argue we don't have true capitalism in America. Right. But anyway. But let me, I, just to give an illustration, today I I was on a I was on a road trip, uh, and I was frustrated because I had been I had been. Uh, driving for this, I had I had to drive an hour to get to a to a retailer to return a tuxedo. Um, I spent less. How fancy. I spent less than. Well, it was for a wedding. It was a rental. It's not, I don't like have a collection of tuxedos. Let's just be clear on that. Um, but I had to drive an hour. I spent less than thirty seconds in the in the place returning my tuxedo, and then I had to turn around and drive an hour back. And I was frustrated that this was like the system that I was like stuck in. Like I had no control over this. There wasn't any other place that I could dump off this tuxedo. It was just where it needed to happen. And I was frustrated. So what I wanted, I was, I was driving down the highway and I was like, I, I wasn't consciously thinking this, but I, I saw, I saw a Burger King and I thought, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want a burger. And all of the voices in my head were saying, you know, you don't actually want a burger, right? Like you, that, not that burger anyway. It's a terrible, it's a terrible burger. I have a confession. Do you like Burger King burgers? I do. Anyway, moving on. Okay. I'm not going to judge you for that because it's all I ate for like, or it's all I wanted to eat for 10 years. So I have no judgment. Um, but I was, I was like, I, this is, it's not high quality. It's not good for me and I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't, but I thought I want it. I want it. I just do. And I just, I was like, I'm going to do it. But pull off the highway. And as I was pulling off the highway, I was like, I feel freedom. I feel freedom because I'm going to go purchase this thing and, and do it. And I was like, this is a choice that I'm making. I feel like an autonomous being here. And I got there and I ate the burger and I was like, and I finished it. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, why did I do that? 
Like that was the only reason I did that was because I was like acting out and frustrated about this other thing. And, and it was like, that's just so stupid, but I do this all the time. Like for some right. reason, if I'm stressed, Decent. I'm like, you know what I need to do? I need to go to Walmart and get something like get I need snack, to go pick. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's, it's a stress relief. And I, I don't know. I think probably that's something that we should just be cautious of in this late stage capitalism thing that we live it. in. Well, it's, it's consumerism more than it is capitalism. I sure. think, um, capitalism is a, is a economic system on which we built some of that, but consumerism is really what we've developed, um, for a society. Everyone's told to consume, consume, consume. And that's what keeps the economy running is go consume more consume. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I don't want to dig into the economics of it necessarily, but I, I think the real, when we become a consumerist society, when we start to value the things we consume over our own souls. Yeah. I think you start to see a lot of the issues that we see today. And I think we see a lot of issues in our own lives because I start to focus more on what's my next purchase going to be. What's the next, you know, I like, I like nice clothes. What's my next nice jacket going to be. And we start viewing ourselves as products too. Right. Well, we, we create personal brands and we create, you know, I, and, there, there's something to that in the sense of, yeah, you have to market yourself a little bit if you're going to make money, if you're going to, um, if, if you, if you never market yourself in the sense of do a good job in your work, well, you're never going to progress anywhere, but you don't have to create a personal brand and have m- millions of followers on YouTube to succeed. Right. Yeah. I, I let me, let, let me tie this back to one of the things that you were talking about earlier with like worldly, worldly things versus like right, right. things. I think I was reading a book this week about um, thinking like a Renaissance person, um, thinking like Shakespeare to be most precise. Uh, and one of the things that was true about Shakespeare's day is there was a focus on craft and a focus on um, with that, you know, it's, we're not, they weren't product focused. They weren't, trying to push something out the door, they were saying, okay, this is the thing that I do. How do I do this really well? And I think we could go one step further and say, this is the thing I do. How do I do this in a way that glorifies God? Mm. You know, Um, because part of that is doing it very well to the best of your ability, I think. And, but the, the idea is, you know, whatever we do in word or deed, do everything is under the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, Which means that, when we buy, we got to do that as unto the Lord. When we sell, we got to do that as unto the Lord. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that I I would argue for in the midst of this conversation is I think as Christians, we too easily submit ourselves to the vernacular of the culture. And I think we too easily say, well, this is how people talk. So we should talk like that. Things like, the personal brand or, you know, like the, you know, I think you said like market ourselves or, or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and we say that because like, that's what you got to do. And I think it just isn't like, I, th- mm. I, th- I think we have to fight that idea that we exist in this time and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm. Um, and you know, that the era of great men is over. Like, yeah, we got to stop. We got to actually fight that idea and say, okay, well, if if I have been assigned to be who I am, so to speak, by God, how do I do that as a craft? You know, how do I read scripture as a craft? How do I podcast as a craft? How do I how do I do all these things to the glory of God and not to the glory of the bottom line um, hmm. or the glory of the personal brand? And and I think. You know, I think it starts with the question you asked, JJ, of like, why do I desire the big room with the books? Am I doing that because somebody else is telling me to do that? Or am I doing that because that's what glorifies God? Right. It might be. I'm I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure that comes along the way because I have the ability to. Great. But I don't think that needs to be the aim. 
yeah, I, it's interesting. Yeah, we got all of this out of getting rid of stuff every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, was there? Let me ask this before we get before we wrap up the episode. Was there any one item that you got rid of that you were like, "I'm really proud of myself for getting rid of that"? Hmm. I don't know about really proud of myself for getting rid of it. I'm disappointed in myself for having held on to some of these things for as long as I have. Oh yeah. And so I'm, and the fact is some of these things have survived three, four, five purges in my life. Hmm. So that's, that's telling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yourself? I, there was a book that I got rid of that I was proud of myself for because it's been sitting on my shelf for a while. It's a book about Nixon that I read in, in high school that it was pretty good. It was very interesting. I learned a lot about Watergate and all that stuff. It's very helpful, but I've always held on to it. I don't know why I held on to it. Um, and I just, I've never read it. And to be honest, I probably would, there's, I can't think of a scenario in which I would read it again. Mm. And I don't want to pass it on to my kids. It's not like a, it wasn't like a, an important book for me. Right. It's not like, like your, your father read this. You should read it. Yeah. Right. Like mornings on horseback. I'll always have a copy of that book. Right, right. That's a great book. Or like I just picked up a copy of John Adams by David McCullough. And I'm like, that's a great book. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that one. Um, mm. But I, I don't need I don't need one on Nixon. That's sure. At least I don't think I need it right now. So that was the one that I was – but I never get rid of books. So Yeah, so you're proud of yourself for getting rid of a book in the first place probably. Right, right. Yeah. I was like, oh. that's, that's a big step. The, what's funny though is there is another book that I have um, that was about one of – John F. Kennedy's advisors. Um, and I was about to get rid of it. And I turned it over and it had a quote from a former president that was like, you know, this guy's life uh, is crucial for understanding the 21st century. And I was like, oh, well, I got to keep it. I got to keep it now. I got to keep it now. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, that's good. I definitely think um, this is sort of kickstarted me always just over the last two weeks because I was always looking for something to get rid of that day. Yeah. Now I'm looking around my life and going, Oh, I could get rid of that. I could get rid of that. So I think I'm going to see a trimming of things over the next month or so. Yeah. Is that the big takeaway from this challenge? Oh, it's at least kind of the continuation of it. I think the big takeaway for me is a lot of the stuff I have in my life. I have either because I think I should have them or because I think I, I'm, I'm, too trusting in those things to get rid of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that's, a, that's kind of a takeaway for me. On to the next challenge. Challenges last for 10 days. That's Monday through Friday for two weeks. They are simple daily tasks to grow, says men. Uh, this next one was Banjo's idea, so he gets to introduce it. So continuing with the simple ideas uh, that we've had, uh, simple but obviously fruitful ideas, um, we wanted to pitch this idea of uh, have an intentional conversation every day. Um, and that's going to sound a little vague, so let me, let me iron it out. Yeah, what um, does intentional conversation even intentional mean? Intentional conversation. Um, let me say – a couple things. Uh, first, I, I had this idea a while back uh, after reading Malcolm Gladwell's book, Talking to Strangers. Um, and if anyone hasn't read that uh, or hasn't heard of it, uh, highly recommend it. Uh, it's a it's a great book about um, some of the assumptions that we make about people um, and some of the ways that just communication happens and, and the ways that we don't really think about it. Um, and his basic point there in the book is uh, a lot of the kind of uh, bizarre violence that we see in the world uh, today and a lot of kind of the um, inhumane things that we see maybe on the daily news, a lot of it comes because we just don't know how to have a conversation. We don't know how to read people. Um, and it's a skill that we've lost. And I think it's a really important book to read just to kind of get a handle on some of that information. Um, but for the purposes of, of this conversation, if you'll pardon the pun, um, the things that I'm interested in are um, the intentional pro process, uh, or maybe we could say the thought out process of talking with someone who you didn't have to in person. 
or not, sorry, not in person, but not online. Um, so my thoughts here are this. Uh, a, when you say not online, does that mean like over the phone is fine? Over the phone is fine. You mean like not in a chat? Not in a chat. Situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so like over the phone or even like a FaceTime or. Yeah, yeah but you need to hear a voice uh, at least, you know, ideally see a gotcha. face. Gotcha. Um, but, but hearing the voice is important. Um, and uh, I think bonus points for reaching out to old friends that you haven't talked to in a long time. Um, and one of the things I think about with this is I think one of the stereotypes of men is that we just don't have conversations um, that I, I know this is true in my life with friends that I have where um, some of my best friends I haven't talked to in six months and they're still my right. best friends. And it's just, it's not going to change. Every time I sell that to my wife, she's like, what is wrong with you? Um, you've got to talk to those people. That's not a friendship. And I'm like, no, no, it's cool. You know, um, guys are guys are a little more okay with not talking to someone for a long time. I have one friend where I will pick up with the exact same conversation I, ha I was having with him two years ago. And yeah, it's, it's funny how that works. Yeah, and it's great. I it's one of the things I kind of love about being a guy. It's like there's no pressure on a friendship, and I think that's great. Um, but I think there is, uh, you know, you can look up any number of articles right now on the drought of friendship right now and especially of masculine friendship um in the culture and what effect that's having uh on men and what effect that's having on culture um and the more that we've talked jj and the more that i've i've interacted with people um the more i think about um you know alex de tocqueville has has he talks in his book about one of the things that makes american culture what it is is anywhere you go you meet americans talking with other americans about what it means to be an american you know um and having real conversations in pubs and in coffee shops and i don't see that anywhere i i see facebook conversations but i don't think those count right um and lewis talks about c.s lewis talks They're at about, least fairly unproductive right whether c.s lewis count. talks about being being a or finding out more about God requires us to interact with other human beings, uh, especially with other beings in the church, um, and I think we're losing that day by day and with each passing moment. Um, any ability to have those conversations um, and any ability to kind of carry that on, um, and I think it is a challenge. I think it takes time and it takes effort, um, and I, I know for some folks it can be. A little anxiety inducing. I spend about 20 minutes in front of my phone before I make a phone call thinking, do they actually want to talk with me? They probably don't want to talk with me. Nah, they don't want to talk with me. Um, and I think we need to get over it. So I'm, yeah. I'm issuing that challenge. One quick clarifying question. When you say intentional, um, you just mean like not in passing. How are you? How are you? Okay, good. Fine. Bye. Um, I assume. And then you also like, are you setting a time on this? Because to get into deep conversation can sometimes take time. So if you're asking someone to take an hour every day to have that deep conversation, is that, yeah, is that what you're asking? Or are you more like no, take 10 minutes just to check in on someone? No, I think it's more of a, a, a check in on somebody. Like I think maybe, maybe intentional is, is the wrong word. Maybe deliberate is a better word. I like that word. Deliberate. Um, yeah. Cause it, it's something that takes thought. It takes, it takes a little bit of, you know, it, it may be, um, uh, engagement. That's the word. Right. Doesn't necessarily need to be well, like, we're going to sit down and have a, you know, theological discussion, but it should be right. like, Hey, I want to make sure that I know how you're doing. Like some, tell me some how you are. direct, uh, some direct conversation, some actual listening, some actual speaking. Yeah. Somewhere between hello, how are you? I'm fine. And, uh, that deep theological conversation somewhere in there. Yeah. doesn't need to be a Lincoln Douglas debate. <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I want to see uh, what I call you sometime this week, Banjo. It's going to be five minutes for you, five minutes for me. And then <laughs> <laughs> so, and I will I now pause for a rebuttal. <laughs> At any rate, I like that. Um, so have a deliberate slash intentional conversation every day. And, and well, that's it. I think that's it. Can that's we it? tease? Can we can we tease the bonus? Oh episode? yeah, yeah. Go go for it. Go for it. Uh, so uh, uh, keep keep your fingers near your Spotify accounts, your uh, app, wherever your Apple Podcasts, Apple for Podcasts, me. 
wherever it is you're getting your uh, forging honor little nuggets of joy, uh, stay tuned uh, because uh, this this week there's going to be a special bonus episode. Um, and I don't know if we've just decided with this the special. We haven't worked out be. all the details um, other than it's probably going to involve something that's not a a 10-day challenge. It's going to be a little bit bigger than that. It may involve a discussion of film and filmography. Uh, Maybe. That's what may, Banjo wants. It may discuss. I want to throw them outside and make them survive. No. Yeah, that could be that. <laughs> could be a big challenge. So we'll see. Just keep, you know, keep your yeah. fingers uh, near those dials. Don't go anywhere. This has been the Forging Honor Podcast. Music and production is by Elliot George. For more information about what we do or to learn how to get involved, visit our website at forginghonor.com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to like, subscribe, and give us a rating to bring others into the Forging Honor journey. On our website, you'll find information on how to do the challenges alongside us, as well as links to the many resources we mention in the show. And we do make a small amount from any purchases you make through our website links, so thank you in advance. Thanks for taking the time with us today. We hope you'll take up the work alongside us and join us in the task of forging honor. We'll see you next time.